Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 104 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at charger pricing. It's going up, always up. But is it really such a big issue? This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to say that the season finale episode from last season, which is episode 100, the Roundtable 5 episode, is now the most listened to episode of this podcast. Up until recently, it was the battery electrochemist Dr. Ewan McTurk's episode, but the Roundtable episode shot past him during the break to hit almost a thousand listens. Not bad for a single episode. I blame Jack Scarlett, really. Our main topic of discussion today is charger pricing. With the recent energy price spike in the UK, the wholesale cost of electricity has increased dramatically. As a result, a number of charge point operators have increased the price they charge for using their units. There is naturally a huge amount of consternation about this in many quarters, across social media and in EV group meets that I attend. But my thesis on this is actually quite simple. It doesn't really matter how much charging costs within reason, because if you're doing occasional charging away from home, the price is almost irrelevant. Of course, if you don't have home charging, this is very relevant, but then we're also generally talking about 7kW charging, not rapid. So let me explain that statement. EV drivers tend to fall into three groups as a massive generalisation. The first group don't do great distances, they always charge their vehicles at home, and they never use public or rapid charging. The second group generally charge at home, but occasionally need to use public, usually rapid charging, when away on a longer journey. I fall into this category. The third group do lots of distance and use lots of public charging. This includes those people who don't have home charging due to living in flats, etc. If we take these groupings as being accurate, then the price of public charging is irrelevant to group one, partially relevant to group two, and very relevant to group three. Those people who keep their trips down to within the range of their EV always return home at the end of the trip and charge either using a granny cable or a home charger are not concerned about the price of public charging. They may be concerned about the price of home charging, although, again, as a generalisation, they'll have something like Octopus Go or similar as an energy tariff and get cheap overnight charging as a result. They may even have solar panels and don't worry a lot about the price of electricity at all. The last group, those people who do lots of mileage in their EVs and charge away from home a lot, are concerned about the price of charging. The Lakes Electric Delivery Service run electric vans around the Lake District and post Twitter updates regularly, almost every day, when they stop for a charge. Usually they use the Instavolt units scattered around that part of the UK. As a rule, home charging isn't relevant to drivers like this, and they're almost totally reliant on public units as a means of recharging their vehicles. Cleveland EV's Home Servicing with James Coates is another example of this. They run the, or they used to run the ENV200, putting anything up to a thousand miles per week onto, the, onto that particular car. Uh, pretty much all of this was done using public charging. For them, an increase in charging costs is both relevant and financially important. But for people like me, and I suspect a large number of EV drivers, having to use an occasional public rapid charger is seen as an inconvenience rather than an issue. I remember looking at the charge stats for my vehicle and the OBD connector, and it said something along the lines of 20,000 miles traveled, number of rapid charges, 46. Just as a side note, those figures might not be totally accurate, but they're more indicative of a trend than anything else. What this means is that in doing a slightly above average mileage in my EV, I managed to do two years worth of motoring with a little less than one public charge every two weeks. 
Now, as a tight-fisted Yorkshireman, I'm obviously going to try and make sure the price I pay for charging is as competitive as possible. But in the big scheme of things, filling my 30 kilowatt hour Kia Soul with, say, 20 kilowatt hours of electrons at 42p per kilowatt hour isn't drastically different to filling it with 20 kilowatt hours of electrons at 25 pence a kilowatt hour, £8.40 versus £5. It's the price of any chain store morning coffee as a difference. If that's the price of charging my car publicly and getting a reliable, available charge, then that's the price. Compare this with the price difference of filling my 44-litre Honda Civic with petrol at a pound a litre versus a pound 35 a litre, which I've done in the past. £44 versus £59.40. That's a more appreciable gap. Sure, if you're in something like a Porsche Taycan with 84 kilowatt hours of battery and you're filling it up to 80% from a relatively low state of charge, you could be putting in 60 kilowatt hours of electricity. At 42 pence a kilowatt hour, that's 25 pounds. At 25 pence a kilowatt hour, that's 15 pounds. Not huge numbers, but not chicken feed either. Although if you were in a Taycan, chances are you're using some sort of subscription to Ionity and getting it at the lower rate anyway. And again, these figures are way lower than filling an equivalent Porsche with petrol. The Panamera has a fuel tank that holds 21.1 US gallons, which is 77 litres. At a pound 35 a litre, that's £103 to fill. The 911, which I uh, drove for many years, has a capacity of 67 litres, which would cost £90 to fill. That'll get you 368 miles. The £25 Taycan charge will get you 275 miles combined in mild weather. I'm sure you can all do the maths. The journey I tend to do the most is about 200 miles from Hampshire to Yorkshire. I set off fully charged using cheap overnight electricity. I stop usually twice on the way up and charge on the granny charger when I get there. Same on the way back. When I ran the Honda, the 400 mile round trip was essentially a little over one tank of fuel. Hey, it was a two litre engine, sue me. The cost varied between £45 and £60. The same trip using public charging, even at the higher rates being charged nowadays, averages out around £11. That has gone up though from around £9 due to electricity price increases. As we mentioned in a recent episode, when Rob Shaw and I took his ID3 1,000 kilometres around the UK using public charging, the total cost was just £36. In my old Honda Civic, that would have taken me from Beaconsfield to somewhere around North Wales, a third of the distance, no further. Which brings us back to those people in the last group. They rely on public units for most of their charging. If they're high mileage travellers, such as taxis and delivery vans, any small increase in unit cost for electricity is going to have an impact on their bottom line. Where they used to be paying, say, 35 pence a kilowatt hour for electricity at an Instavolt unit, they're now paying 40 pence a kilowatt hour at the same unit. That's an increase of almost 15%. But I would also remind you that prior to getting an electric vehicle, those same businesses were subject to fuel increases at the petrol pump. In the five years since January 2016, petrol prices have risen from a pound and two pence per litre to almost a pound 37 per litre on average. That's an increase of 34%. When BP Pulse's Tom Callow was on the podcast, he reminded me that there were some very high mileage EV users out there. Um, there, there are customers of ours who, um, who, uh, who do something in, in the magnitude of um, about 45 to 50,000 miles a year of public charging mm-hmm. just on our network. I mean, I think the fact that they're doing 54, 45, 50,000 miles a year on public charging alone is very impressive, but the fact they're doing it on just our network is, is you know, really, really impressive, I think, for me. The long and the short of it is this. Public charging, for the vast majority of people, is a cost that they'll bear pretty much regardless of how much it is. I'm reasonably sure that if I were to put out a poll asking which would be preferable, 
very cheap public charging on a network that wasn't reliable or had a few chargers, or more expensive charging at a network with reliable available chargers, the answer would be obvious. In fact, I did run such a poll. I asked on Twitter, which would you rather have, cheap rapid charging or reliable rapid charging? Cheap charging is where the price stays artificially low without a subscription. Reliable charging is where you have multiple available and working chargers at every location. The results came in at 93% in favour of reliable charging and 7% for cheap charging. A pretty lopsided win, I think you'll agree. There are a number of EV users who will be impacted by more expensive public charging, and that's why many networks have put together subscription services to help minimise this. Despite their glaring faults with reliability and customer service, BP Pulse run a subscription offering that reduces the cost per kilowatt hour at their units. They've increased the price twice over the last 18 months on various aspects of this, but it's still one way of getting quote-unquote cheap charging. And that's very useful if you're one of the people doing 45 to 50,000 electric miles per year, as Tom mentioned earlier. The downside is you have to ensure you can actually find a working unit at the moment that isn't being used, otherwise you're in for a wait. If you're a patron, you'll already have heard my patron-only episode where I discuss BP Pulse and my thoughts on their pricing network and service. So what sort of price changes have happened recently? Well, there have been price increases in several of the major charge point operators. Osprey Charging, Instavolt, Genie Point and BP Pulse have all raised their prices in the last few months. As previously mentioned, BP Pulse have put theirs up twice recently. Uh, when it was still BP Charge Master, they put their new pricing tariffs in place in 2019, and then they increased their high-power charging tariff in December last year to 42 pence a kilowatt hour. To make things worse, BP Pulse have recently gone and increased their tariffs again and bumped their 50 kilowatt pricing up to 35 pence a kilowatt hour for ad hoc payments. Osprey went from 35 pence a kilowatt hour to 40 pence a kilowatt hour, as did Instavolt. Some of this, at least with Instavolt, was due to a change in the way they account for VAT on transactions. But there was also an aspect of underlying electricity price increases in both price hikes. GE Point went to 42 pence a kilowatt hour, but made everything contactless and not prepaid, so you know, there's that. Uh, Shell Recharge, never the cheapest, are now 41 pence a kilowatt hour after a recent price hike. Again, I suspect due to underlying price increases for wholesale electricity. Ionity are still 69 pence a kilowatt hour for ad hoc payments, although, as I've said numerous times on this podcast, they're priced like that to discourage ad hoc use and encourage drivers of partner cars such as Audi, Porsche, VW, etc. to use them with subscriptions. A VW subscription will allow you to charge at Ionity for 45 pence a kilowatt hour, although it can go much lower with different subscription plans. There will, of course, be those who say, well, Podpoint provide free charging at 7 kilowatts and haven't increased their pricing forever for 50 kilowatts charging. And that's right. It's still 25 pence a kilowatt hour for Podpoint rapid charging. But remember, this is a subsidised price. Somebody is paying for that electricity. It might be the businesses outside whose storefronts the charges are located. It might be a central organisation providing funding. But those costs are not real. They're artificially low. The same for GridServe and their 24 pence a kilowatt hour charging. Are they subsidised? Well, no, but they produce a lot of their own energy through the fact that they own solar farms and take that energy to use at their charges. They're effectively using free solar, which reduces their unit costs somewhat. So cheaper prices are available, but as we've said on this podcast before, these installations are not cheap. If prices stay low, CPOs will not start to put charges in at locations where the need for EV charging is lower than elsewhere. There's a reason the BP Pulse chargers at Hammersmith Hub 
are used upwards of around 30 times a day each, and the BP Pulse Charger in Flandrin.wells isn't. If you were a company with limited resources, i.e. money, and needed to choose where to put one that would give you the best return on investment, where would you choose? For me, it would be London every day of the week. But if we want charges to be located everywhere in quantity and with reliability, and I think we do really, we've got to be prepared for the pricing to match that need. This means the price to charge will rise. It's inevitable. But looping back to where we started this discussion, if you're someone who charges exclusively at home, the price of public charging won't affect you. If you're someone who charges mostly at home with occasional rapid charges in public, the price is almost irrelevant if the charges are reliable and available. If you're a business such as a taxi or a delivery service, or if you have no home charging, the price is something you will be aware of, but will also still be paying less than the equivalent in fossil fuel. So whilst it is something you don't want to see, it is something that's relatively lightweight in terms of the overall cost of running the car. And there are subscription offerings that can reduce the overall price you're paying, unlike fossil fuels. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you listeners. If you're anything like my mother, you'll be an avid fan of the soap operas. Well, now five of them, Coronation Street, Doctors EastEnders, Emmerdale and Hollyoaks, along with two continuing dramas, Hobby City and Casualty, have all written in scenes where characters discuss climate change. And what's more, some of these will include interaction with one or more of the characters in the other series. It could be through characters moving from one programme to another, which could easily happen for programmes such as Casualty and Hobby City, which, while being filmed 100 miles apart in London and Cardiff, are actually set in the same fictional hospital. But it could also be through the use of in-show social media. This might be, for instance, a video featuring two residents from Emmerdale shown to Coronation Street favourites. This will begin in the week commencing the 1st of November to commemorate the COP26 Climate Summit and raise awareness for it. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features, such as using ZapMap in-car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings. That's ko-fi.com slash evmusings. And you can do just that. It takes Apple Pay too. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent. And it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a nice five-star review if possible, as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks to everybody who's done that recently. If you've reached this part of the podcast and you're still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingZV with the words reliability over price. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's into this Peloton movement, stationary cycling with a motivational coach. He dismissed it as a fad to start with until he looked into it in detail. 
He soon changed his mind when he found out how dedicated some of the users are to their coaches. Um, there, are, there are customers of ours who, who do something in, in the magnitude of about forty-five to 50,000 miles a year. Thanks for listening. Bye.